we're back here on Talk with an Accent on all things Southern. Hello, I'm John Rawl. We have reached the middle of the week. Where has the week gone? Well, we still got some more of this week left. So don't think that we're hit. We've hit the weekend quite yet. Now we still got a ways to go, and we got a long ways to go on this edition of Talking About Everything Southern. In this first hour along with your host, John Rawl, we're going to give you all kinds of Southern news and information and some sports conversation as well. We'll go through the headlines here at hour number one. Can't wait to fill you in on what is going on around you. Then later this hour, we got a little bit of a programming schedule change. We told you on Tuesday that today we would be all over day three of SEC Media Days. We had some listener interaction text us and said, wait a minute, you've been doing a great job of playing all these coaches that have appeared at SEC Media Days day one and day two. Did you realize, Mr. Rawl, that there's also adjoining the coaches of each of these seven schools that have already hit the microphone at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama this week for SEC Media Days? Each coach brings at least two, I think it's only two this year, two football studs and stars with them to get a little media attention. And, Mr. Rawl, it's just not fair that you're not letting the players speak here on the y'all show. So what we're going to do, as a public service to all y'all, we're going to let you hear seven SEC football players scattered throughout today's show. And we're not going to hear the coaches at the mic here on this Wednesday edition of the SEC Media Day. We're going to push the coaches back to Thursday and Friday. So hope you don't mind with that little schedule change. But the reward is today you get to hear from the players that were in attendance, at least seven of them, during the opening days of the SEC Media Days. And here in hour number one, how about two of the best players the Southeastern Conference is putting forward on the gridiron this fall? LSU's very talented defensive playmaker, Derek Stingley Jr. We're going to hear from him as he was at the mic this week in Hoover. Also, the transfer from USC, JT Daniels. He's a Georgia Bulldog, and we'll have his comments to the media at SEC Media Days 2021. That's coming up as a little special extra something we're giving y'all here in this first hour. Now, we have other sports news we're going to be getting to, but we're also continuing our tour across the southeast as we're on a 44-city tour talking about the great teams, the great alumni, and the great pageantry and traditions of all these great schools across the southeast. And today, we're making the jump, y'all. We're making the jump, and we'll stay on this jump for the rest of our trek toward the start of the football season, Labor Day weekend. Today, we're jumping to the Power Five of college football, and we're going to stay within the frame of the SEC, the ACC, and Big 12, and also Maryland. We're going to throw in the Terps. Because they're kind of a, hmm, they just are kind of a border state school that somehow jumped out of the ACC into the Big Ten for some unknown reason. But we'll fit the Terps in, which they're in a big 
10 Power 5 Conference, so to their credit. But today, it's not about those little turtles from Maryland. It's about those big old frogs that are found in Fort Worth, Texas. Today, we're talking about the TCU Horn Frogs, and Gary Patterson has a very, very good football program right there on the outskirts of the stockyards in Fort Worth. And today, you're going to learn more about the 2021 schedule for Coach Patterson's Frogs. And we'll also, in Hour 3 today, let you know more about the great alumni and traditions of Texas Christian University. And that's on today's Y'all Show. Sounds like a great, great way to jump right into Power 5 football. We've got TCU today. We're going to feature the Louisville Cardinals on our Thursday Y'all Show. And the Big 12's West Virginia Mountaineers are going to round up this week when we talk about them on Friday. So all TCU here on this first hour and third hour as we get you ready for the start of college football 2021. Also, before the hour is in the books, we're going to have Melissa Rhodes, our Rhodes Scholar, and she's going to be giving us a Southern accent on Southern culture. Or is it culture? (laughs) All that's coming up here, hour one. Hour two today, we've got more headlines More coverage from the SEC Media Days. You're going to hear from a Kentucky Wildcat and a Mississippi Landshark in hour number two. And then we're going to go to the Mississippi Delta as writer Ashley Stinson has penned a fantastic feature on the Mississippi Delta that's posted right now at y'all.com. And we're going to go and talk to this up-and-coming wordsmith, Ashley Stinson, about her travel piece going down Highway 61 all the way from the Mississippi-Tennessee line where you find DeSoto County and Tunica County in northwest Mississippi. She went on down through great towns like Cleveland, made her way to Greenville, Mississippi, made her way to Vicksburg, and that's where the tour across the Mississippi Delta ends up right there on the bluffs at Vicksburg. And she's going to be on in hour number two to tell us about this really, really informative and entertaining piece all on the Mississippi Delta. That's coming up, Ashley Stinson, in hour number two. Hour three today, it's more coverage from the SEC. We'll have a Tennessee Vol, a South Carolina Gamecock, and a Florida Gator all at the mic as we continue our player interviews from this week's SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama. More coverage on TCU in hour number three, letting you know all about Horn Frog tradition, some of their great alumni, alumni who've gone on and done great things on the stage, on the stage of college football, on the stage of Texas pride. You could say they have done so many great things there, but TCU alumni are very, very proud of their university And we're going to tell you a little bit more about Texas Christian University and the history of it and more. All that, again, is part of our 44-city tour across the southeast, marching our way to the start of college football Labor Day weekend. TCU, you're up today. We're going to talk about them froggies, hour number one and number three. More headlines today. All that right here on Talk with a Southern Accent with John Rawl. If you want to reach out to us, we have that number. You can call or text whenever and however you want. 803-816-1170 is the easy way to do that. We also have an 
email address, and that's mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com, as y'all is the South's homepage, and you're welcome to text us at 803-816-1170. You're welcome to email us at mail at y'all.com anytime, because both of those options are absolutely free, and both options are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so you can't say that, hey, I tried to catch you, but I was a little worried I might actually wake you up. Or I was afraid nobody would answer. Well, we're going to answer, and you're not going to wake us up. You just call us, 803-816-1170, or text us. That's certainly welcome, 803-816-1170. Let's dive into what's going on across the southeast on this middle-of-the-week edition of the Y'all Show. And to our Canadian friends, the ones that are actually north of the border, the ones that find themselves here in the south a lot of times to escape uh Old man winner, Canada has decided to let vaccinated American citizens enter the country starting on August 9th. I wonder how that will affect some of the sports stuff that's going on where Major League Baseball, essentially, for example, the Blue Jays are playing in Buffalo. Canada announcing that it will begin letting these fully vaccinated Americans into the Great White North on August 9th. And those from the rest of the world can go to Canada starting September 7th. The officials said the 14-day quarantine requirement will be waived as of August 9th for eligible travelers who are currently residing in the United States and have received a full course of a COVID-19 vaccine that has been approved for use in Canada. They have a public safety minister. He spoke with Homeland Security here in this country to the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said the U.S. has not yet indicated any plan to change current restrictions at the border that America shares with Canada. Canadians are able to fly into the United States with a negative COVID-19 test. But it looks like the border, at least the one with Canada, is slowly but surely opening up. And for our Canadian Southerners out there, perhaps you have not been able to travel back to Canada for some reason, for many reasons, frankly, over the last year and a half, and you might just be able to, but you got to be vaccinated. And according to what they said, starting August 9th, you can go to Canada and you can go there if you're fully vaccinated and you don't have to be quarantined when you cross over that border. And they say, why are you coming here? You dang Southerner from America. Why are you coming here? What is this all about? Here's another international story here that might affect some of you because it actually affects a South Carolinian, at least South Carolina by birth, Chicago by the grace of God, it appears. The president of France, Emmanuel Macron, has honored Greenville, South Carolina native Jesse Jackson. Have you heard from Jesse Jackson lately? Have you been on a Jesse Jackson watch? This is a guy that didn't miss a camera for much of his career, but He's had a really, really hard last couple of years. I think his son, who was a congressman, ended up having to go to prison at some point. And Jesse Jackson has been, I think, fighting a very, very debilitating disease over the last few years. I'll tell you a little bit more on that in a second. But the South Carolina native being honored by the president of France. And Jesse diagnosed back in 2017 with Parkinson's disease, thus the reason that he's had maybe a little bit of a time away from the spotlight in the last few years 
But Emmanuel Macron honoring Jesse Jackson this week in Paris, not the one in Tennessee nor Texas, but Jesse Jackson flying all the way. The 79-year-old Southerner had gallbladder surgery earlier this year and is being treated for Parkinson's. Had a really tough time walking while he was in Paris. The founder of the Rainbow Push Coalition and a two-time U.S. presidential candidate sitting alongside Emmanuel Macron at a ceremony earlier this week in Paris. The president of France saying, Jesse Jackson's a visionary with talent for uniting and leading people whose moral and physical courage has helped him to overcome adversity and change the destiny of the United States, our oldest ally, and to change our world for the better. The president of France speaking in English, again calling Jesse Jackson a great friend of France and very popular in our country, but not just in our country. Okay, I guess he's talking about him being that popular in the country of France. Way to go, Jesse Jackson being, again, feeded, getting actually the Legion of Honor medal at a ceremony at Elsay Palace in Paris earlier this week. More on Jesse Jackson. Jesse, as I said, born in Greenville, South Carolina, grew up, grew up there. He was actually in South Carolina about a year ago this time, participating in something that really didn't even have to do with politics. I was actually a little bit surprised he made his way back. But born there in Greenville, October 8, 1941. He's currently 79 years young. As he was born to Helen Burns, a 16-year-old high school student, and a 33-year-old married neighbor, Noah Lewis Robinson. His ancestry include Cherokee blood, American slave descendants. He's also got the ancestry of a Confederate sheriff in his DNA, Jesse Jackson, which is very common. That's the story of the South. But ultimately, Jesse Jackson went to school. Believe it or not, he actually rejected a contract from a minor league pro team so that he could attend the University of Illinois on a football scholarship. But after his second semester at the University of Illinois, he transferred to North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, North Carolina. I didn't realize he was a football player, but he started out at Illinois Urbana-Champaign and went on ultimately to North Carolina A&T and then ended up getting his Master's in Divinity from the Chicago Theological Seminary. Jesse Jackson, founder of Rainbow Push, congratulations on your honor this week from the nation of France. And I don't have all of his honors given in this country, but he's certainly racked up a few in his time. And we'll go ahead here on the Y'all Show and declare Jesse Jackson Southern by the birth, by the grace of God, for sure, as he's a Greenville, South Carolina native and a North Carolina A&T alumn. Way to go, Jesse. More headlines coming in from across the Southeast. This comes to us from Chattanooga as Volkswagen, keeping our international stories going to start today's y'all show, Volkswagen will end the production in Chattanooga of the Passat with the 2022 model. I never have been able to purchase a Passat, and this is a car made by Volkswagen. It's been produced a number of decades. In fact, it was 20-plus years ago I actually 
got very close to purchasing the Volkswagen Passat, and that's when it wasn't made in Chattanooga. It was made over there in Deutschland at the time. But Volkswagen saying at its Chattanooga assembly plant, they're going to shut down, halt, as they might say at Volkswagen. The German-based automaker saying it will stop the sedan model with a limited edition 2022 model. The company says the move is part of its transformation to build future electric vehicles. Oh, where is AOC? I bet she's celebrating this one. Back in 2011, Volkswagen first started making the Passat in Chattanooga. The first versions of the Volkswagen Passat family sedans and wagons for U.S. customers launched. It was in 1974. At that time, you might still have one. It might be worth a few Deutschmarks. The Volkswagen came out in 1974. This Passat originally was named Dasher. The Passat name first appeared in the American market in 1990 and has since remained and now in Chattanooga, there's one line of car that unfortunately looks like it's seen its last days being produced in the state of Tennessee as Volkswagen pulling its production in a couple of years. A disturbing story out of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. A woman from Oklahoma has been raped in a public bathroom on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and her husband ended up having to help catch the suspect. Good news there in Gulfport. Police say Andrew Malik Jones has been captured as he was hiding inside a restroom of the Gulfport Premium Outlets, place I've been to, and this 28-year-old hiding there earlier this week when he allegedly attacked, robbed, and then raped this Oklahoma visitor at this restroom. And this is a high-end outlet mall in Gulfport, Mississippi. And this man allegedly shoved the woman into a bathroom stall and then commenced a physical and sexual assault that left her with a fractured skull and other injuries. Then he's alleged to have tried to steal her purse and run away. Police said bystanders stopped him from fleeing and held him until responding officers arrived. It was actually the victim's husband that was part of that group. And they saw him running through the parking lot and stopped his escape. The victim and her family were in Mississippi on the Gulf Coast there in Gulfport on vacation. The suspect faces charges of robbery and sexual battery, currently being held in the Harrison County, Mississippi jail on a million-dollar bond. Creepy story. Hate to tell you this, but also no surprise. we got some really bad people right here in the southeast. And this guy hopefully will go away for a long time, Andrew Malik Jones. When the Y'all Show returns after this little time out, we're going to take you to Hoover, Alabama. We've got some audio coming from Derek Stingley Jr. of LSU and the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs, J.T. Daniels. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive, bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? 
No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now he speaks Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Tiger fans, we're going to be talking about LSU as we've got from SEC Media Days audio from Derek Stingley Jr., the talented defensive playmaker for Ed Orgeron's Bayou Bengals, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. We'll also be hearing from JT Daniels, the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs, as our coverage from SEC Media Days 2021 continues here on the Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl, and time now for a little Southern Sports News and Notes, and we're going to start off talking about the Tigers, but it's actually not the ones in Baton Rouge, but the capital not of Louisiana in the capital of Mississippi. Jackson State Tigers coach Deion Sanders has walked out of the SWAX Media Day event after being called by his first name on two occasions. And prime time. And Dion. Now, he just wants to be called Coach, and he's walking out of media days for the SWAC as he's getting ready to enter his second season, technically his second season within 12 months as Jackson State and much of the FCS played a spring schedule this year. But at the event for the SWAC, I think this was in Birmingham, he was addressed as Dion by a reporter, and this guy, Deion Sanders told a reporter from the Jackson, Mississippi, Clarion Ledger, you don't call Alabama's Nick Saban Nick, don't call me Dion. If you call Nick Saban Nick, according to Dion, you'll get cussed out on the spot, so don't do that to me. Treat me like Nick. I'm not so sure Dion's right on this. I don't know if Nick Saban's that hardcore about being called Coach Saban, or Mr. Saban, maybe. <laughs> so, he gets slapped on the hand, this reporter from the Jackson, Mississippi, Clarion Ledger. And then the moment occurred after the on-camera portion of the event was over, the reporter who called Sanders by his first name, a guy named Nick Suss, he says, when I interview people, I call them by their first name, whether it's someone I've been working with for years or someone I'm talking to for the first time. And this reporter is actually the beat writer for 
the Clarion Ledger's Mississippi Land Shark coverage, but he has covered Sanders at SWAC Media Day before, and evidently he got called Dion again, and he got mad and took his toys elsewhere. Jackson State Tiger coach, Coach Sanders. Uh, there, I said it, Coach. Don't want to call him Dion anymore. He had a hissy fit. I guess it gets his program more coverage. Oakland A's baseball could be a thing of the past soon to the world of Major League Baseball and to the left coast we go. On Tuesday, Oakland City Council members voted 6-1 to in favor of a non-binding term sheet for Oakland Athletics, their proposed waterfront ballpark. But again, true to form for anything out of Oakland, a very wacko city, the session of this council ended up with confusion as to whether negotiations between Oakland and the Oakland A's team would actually continue. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, when he's not moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta, he's having to deal with issues like this. Manfred expressed disappointment in the city's decision to vote on terms that were new to the A's. So it looks like Major League Baseball is doing everything they can to ultimately pick up and leave and leave Mayor Libby Schaff and other members of the Oakland City Council in the dust. They think, and I think they're right on this, their future if they want to be successful, is not going to be in Oakland, California. They're threatening to leave. And actually, it's been in recent times, executives of this Major League Baseball franchise have gotten on a plane and gone to cities exploring relocation options. That is at least what's been reported. They've been spotted in Las Vegas, likely the number one place that the Oakland A's will end up. They've also been traveling to Portland, according to reports. So you could see this team move pretty soon. And I I think it's, I mean, this Oakland Coliseum was built in 1966. It's now called Ring Central Coliseum. And I think the A's, if they're going to survive as a franchise, have to pick up and move. In fact, maybe all of these California-based teams are going to be moving back east at some point as the California experiment has now, thanks to liberal politicians and just corrupt politicians and maybe even greedy owners of some of these franchises, just don't mix. And I give credit to a team in the South for really showcasing how you can step up to the plate, to use a baseball metaphor here since we're talking about the athletics, you can step up to the plate and do something incredible that doesn't necessarily tie you into the city. And that's exactly what Jerry Richardson and the Carolina Panthers did back in the early 1990s. This is in sleepy old Charlotte, North Carolina. It was the Carolina Panthers that became the first professional sports franchise that created this whole premium seat licensing thing, PSLs. And that's how the city of Charlotte and the Carolinas jumped to the front of the line when there was an effort to award an expansion NFL team. It's the reason why the Tennessee Oilers were formed in the 1990s as Nashville had the opportunity to create a stadium that Nashville and what was then called 10FL, they got people like me at that time, a Davidson County resident, to vote 
for it, but also they were able to go out and sell these seat licenses where essentially you're guaranteeing as a fan you're going to be there in that seat and you're willing to pay a premium for it in advance. And therefore, Nashville built out of nowhere a gigantic stadium. I hate I hate they had to tear down the Gerst House, the original, but boy, what a difference that's made in Nashville. And you've seen similar efforts of PSLs used in all forms of sports. And again, credit to the Carolina Panthers back in the 1990s and Jerry Richardson, their original owner, for being a visionary and, and getting that effort underway. And the Oakland A's, frankly, aren't going to be able to have a PSL deal in a city like Oakland. They're going to have to move. And speaking of Nashville, how about perhaps Nashville scooting up to the top of the possible relocation of this Major League Baseball franchise, the Tennessee Athletics. How about that? Do you like that name? Nashville A's. I like Tennessee. I think that's a better name. Or even better, to kind of incorporate all of the mid-southern states, the Mid-South Athletics. Even though probably Memphis would be the city raising its hand and say, excuse me, we're more Mid-South than old Nashville. But look for baseball to at least consider heavily a relocation to a place like Tennessee or perhaps an expansion franchise as Major League Baseball has a lot of problems. And right now, part of that problem is, is definitely what's going on with the Oakland A's. Now, as we continue on from SEC Media Days, we're going to go to the mic. As right now, on this Wednesday show, we're going to give some love to our players from the Southeastern Conference, players who are showing up this week at Media Days to not only join their coaches, but to promote their program, to promote their brand. And speaking of brands, Derek Stingley Jr. is one of the top names in the SEC this fall. This LSU cornerback was at Media Days earlier in the week. Let's go in here now and hear a portion of Stingley Jr.'s comments. And he starts off speaking of value. This guy brings a lot of value to the LSU football program. But he's got his own personal value thanks to this new name image likeness legislation that's been passed in NCAA sports. And Stingley Jr. at the mic gets a question about NIL and let the LSU player take it away with his comments. You know, I see this as a as an opportunity for a lot of players to to deal with money and before they get to the NFL. You know, because you hear a lot of people in the NFL they they have a little difficulty with money in the long run. Um, and I think it's good that we get to deal with this before you know the big money comes. So. I think it would be good. Okay, Derek, we'll go down front here in the front left. Bob? Um, hey, uh, Bob Holt, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. How you doing? Good. Um, Coach Jones, unit defensive coordinator, what's it been like having him as your coordinator? And mm-hmm. Ed Orgeron talked about the staff being younger, maybe relating to you guys better. How, how's that been? Yeah, Coach Jones, he, he definitely relates to us uh, in a good way, he every time he walks in the room, he he's upbeat. He's he's very energized, and that and we feed off of that. Um, whenever he's very energized, we go out there, we have a good day, um, and we look we look at him and we believe in him, and he believes in us. So it's going to be a pretty good year. And that was Derek Stingley Jr. this week at SEC Media Days as his LSU Tigers 
get ready to start their 2021 season on the road. They'll be in Los Angeles to take on UCLA in their first game of the new season. Speaking of Tinseltown, JT Daniels has left Tinseltown behind as he showed up on the campus of the University of Georgia in 2020, had a good season quarterback in the Dogs in 2020. Now he returns as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And JT Daniels was at the SEC Media Days this week. Let's go in and hear his comments about leading the Georgia Bulldogs on offense in 2021. Um, you know, in, in general, I think we've done a great job as a team uh, in how we've approached the offseason and how much of uh, importance we put on our, uh, our core DNA and our team beliefs uh, and really setting a standard for how we are and who we are. Um, and I, I think that really is going to help prepare us for a, a good 2021 season. Hey, JT, Jordan Hill with Opelika Auburn News. I want to ask about Demetrius Robertson, who's coming over to Auburn. Just what is Auburn getting and being able to add a guy like that? A uh, great person, a good friend of mine, and a great player. Um, I, can't say good enough, I can't say enough good about D-Rob. Uh, since I've been here, him and I have been really good friends. We've been close. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great person, a great player. And we, we wish uh, – I don't think anybody at Georgia will tell you that they wish anything but the best for him. We're going to go back over to the right-hand side along the right wall. JT, what would you say is your biggest strength heading into the 2021 season? Uh, in terms of as a player? Yes. Uh, I'd say my biggest strength is understanding my role of being the primary distributor. Um, like, that is my job. I mean, I'm okay with the ball in my hands, but, like, James Cook is really good with the ball in his hands. George Pickens is really good with the ball in his hands. We have a lot of players that, when they have the ball and in the right situation, do a lot of really good things. And uh, my strength in, in what I do is, you know, being able to read the defense and determine the best place for the ball to go. That's going to help us move the chains and score points. And that was JT Daniels, the USC transfer into the Georgia Bulldogs. Speaking at this week's SEC Media Days, again, we've got other players from the conference who've already been at the mic that we'll be sprinkling in as we go forward. Up next on Y'all Talking with a Southern Accent, we're going to tell you all about TCU Horned Frog football for 2021. Stay tuned. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. If you like those purple codes, you got that Go Frogs hand sign up right now as we're discussing Texas Christian University. We're the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent. We're on a tour across the southeast, and today our stop 
is all about Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, the many great traditions, the many great alumni that have come out of TCU, and we're going to just kind of break it down here with more of the X's and O's this hour, and then in hour three, we're going to tell you a little bit more about the traditions, but right now, this fellow wants to tell you more about what exactly we're doing with TCU today. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College football tour stop. Here's Johnny. And those horn frogs are where we're stopping by. And I know, again, you got your horn frog sign up. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to make one of those if you have not been instructed properly. As all those Texas schools kind of have their own little hand thing going. By the way, that was a big topic of discussion at last week's Big 12 Media Days as they got together last week there, the coaches of the Big 12 Conference. TCU football this year gets up and going. Their first game at Amon Carver Stadium is against the Duquesne Dukes September 4th as this program out of Pittsburgh is the season opener. And then, boy, what a great second game, the Cal Bears. Cal coming into Fort Worth for a game September 11th. They've got their iron skillet Duel with SMU. That's going to be a home game this year against the Ponies, September 25th. The Big 12 opener is home against the Texas Longhorns on October 2nd. So TCU with four straight home games to get the season started. They hit the road on October 9th, traveling to Lubbock to take on the Red Raiders. Big game October 16th as they visit Norman and the Oklahoma Sooners, they wrap up their season against Iowa State on the road on November 26. And, of course, TCU football, over the last 20 years, it goes hand-in-hand with its field general, Gary Patterson. The coach has a 7-Eleven, just like the convenience store, a 7-Eleven winning percentage as a college football coach. And the 45,000 souls that fill up Amon Carter Stadium over the last 20 years with the little visored coach patrolling the sidelines have seen some very, very good football. This is a program that started way back in 1896. It's a program that's had a lot of great players through the years. A player, a, te- a program that's won two national titles. Now, unfortunately, both of those national titles happened before World War II. 1935-1938. They also claim, and maybe rightfully so, a national title in 2010. Do y'all remember that miracle season for TCU football? That was the year they went out to a place called Pasadena and won the Rose Bowl. I'm actually impressed they got invited to go to that thing, but they did. And to the Horn Frogs' credit, it was such a big-time victory as they won over Wisconsin. In that 2010 season, the game played technically 
on January 1st of 2011, 21-19, just eked out that victory, had the uh, great quarterback with the red hair leading that team at that time. But TCU's been on a little bit of a win streak in bowl games. They're back-to-back winners over Pac-12 teams, winning the Alamo Bowl in 2017, the Cheez-It Bowl over these Cal Bears that are marching toward Fort Worth in the coming weeks. But TCU's fallen on a little bit of a hard time in recent years as Coach Patterson's program has not gone bowling. They've had a lot of changes. And if you rewind last year, they were going to go to a bowl game. It got canceled. They were supposed to be in a bowl game, but got canceled the Texas Bowl as a lot of teams ended up having COVID problems and such. TCU did not go to a bowl in 2019. They were actually 5-7 and seven overall. They've not had a fantastic year since 2017 when they did go to the Alamo Bowl, but they were 11-3 and three overall. Back in 2014, they had a great season, went 12-1, and one, destroyed, Lane, not Lane Kevin, destroyed Hugh Freeze's Mississippi Land Sharks, Rebels at that time, in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. That was a... Just absolute thumping of an SEC program. But TCU, Big 12 conference members since 2012, and a proud, proud program. This is a program that's had names through the years that you might remember if you're a college football expert, if you will. Dutch Meyer, longtime coach there, back in the 50s and 60s, Abe Martin was coach of the Horn Frogs. How about Pat Sullivan, the Heisman Trophy winner from Auburn? He was a coach of TCU. We sadly lost Pat Sullivan in 2019. He most recently coached the Sanford Bulldogs, but he was TCU's head coach. That was the only college head coaching job he had prior to going to be the Bulldog coach in Homewood in the Birmingham suburbs. TCU, of course, the home of some great players through the years, and you go back to that pre-World War II time period when you had this program claiming national championships, and maybe rightfully so. This is a program that beat LSU in the Sugar Bowl back in 1935, followed that up in 1938 with a Sugar Bowl victory. How about this 15 to 7 victory over Carnegie Carnegie Tech, now known as Carnegie Mellon University. Slinging Sammy Ball. He was a great TCU football player of yesteryear. And I got to give props to the great Johnny Vault, who played there back in that same time period. Johnny Vault went on to be the head coach of the University of Mississippi. And he actually, this may be news to you. It was TCU, the only job that John Vault was going to leave the powerhouse Ole Miss Rebels for. He had been offered the job at Texas and a lot of other schools. He was leading this program back in the 50s and 60s in Oxford to be one of the best programs in all of college football. And he said that he would have left Ole Miss to be TCU's head coach. But one small problem. They never wanted him to be the coach. They never asked. And they struggled, and they could have had that great coach and their alumnus, Johnny Vault, leading them. But he had to stay in Oxford. 
We're going to tell you more about Texas Christian University in Hour 3. We'll let you know about some of their famous alumni, some of the great traditions in Fort Worth. And today, again, TCU is our latest stop on our tour across the southeast as we're getting y'all ready for the start of college football. It'll be here in just a few weeks. And, again, the Horned Frogs, their season opener there at the Amon is against the Duquesne Dukes coming down from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Good luck, Horned Frogs. The Y'all Show is going to wrap up Hour 1 after this timeout. We're going to give you a southern accent. Melissa Rhodes is standing by. She's going to talk about Southern culture. That's up next. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive, bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Southern Accent. Here's an accent on the South from Y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Mississippi's giant house party gets underway this week as the Neshoba County Fair returns to Philadelphia, Mississippi. This unique Southern tradition is a whole lot more than your run-of-the-mill county fair. It's a combination of great concerts, political speakers, horse racing, kids running around unshackled all week, and overnight guests staying on-site the whole time. YouTuber Nola Gents in the Mississippi, Philadelphia. There are over 600 cabins and 575 camper spaces, and typically over 25,000 people attend this fair each year. And that's when the fairgrounds become just a crazy busy city during the fair week. Because these cabins are all privately owned by individuals, the best way to find a cabin is to know somebody that has a cabin. Mississippi's Giant House Party runs July 23rd through July 30th. Southern fun and more at y'all.com. Melissa, thank you very much for sharing that information. I am an alumnus of the Philadelphia, Mississippi, Neshoba County Fair. Frankly, I have maybe come as close to death there as I have anywhere in my life as back around 2006, perhaps 2007, I decided to go there and distribute y'all magazines to all the fair attendees. And guess what? Two of the more familiar names I saw there, actually three of the more familiar names to the South as they were there in the hometown that day and at the home fair of their mama, as I saw the Manning family cabin and right there standing outside the Manning family cabin at the Neshoba County Fair, Eli Manning, Archie Manning, Peyton Manning. I'm sure Cooper was running around there some somewhere with all the kids likely, but yeah, they go back usually every summer to Olivia's hometown of Philadelphia, Mississippi for the Neshoba County Fair. How about that? 
The Y'all Show is going to come running back to you, and hopefully we won't have heat exhaustion for hour two. That's up next, so stay tuned to talk with a Southern accent. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign, and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Back for hour two of this Wednesday show that's all about the Southeast. Our number, if you want to get involved with y'all, is 803-816-1170. You can text or call us 24-7 at that number. And you're welcome to also drop us an email. Eight o uh, email address is mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. Got a busy, busy hour. Got a very special guest lined up, and she's going to be on well, just a few minutes away, frankly, it's writer Ashley Stinson. And she's pinned an article up at y'all.com all about the Mississippi Delta. And Ashley's going to be driving by. Miss Ashley is coming on the Y'all Show for an interview about her article at y'all.com right here this hour. Also this hour, we got more interviews coming in from Hoover as it's SEC Media Days this week. We're going to hear from a great Kentucky football player on the offensive line, Darren Kennard, he's speaking this week. We'll hear from him and the quarterback of the Mississippi Land Sharks, Matt Corral. All that from SEC Media Days. We're going to get to that in the next segment here. So lots of great stuff. I want to thank you all for being on with the show that's all about the South. I'm John Rawl. Let's quickly, since we've got a lot to cover here, let's dive back into what's going on across the Southeast here as we hope your Wednesday is going fantastic. You're having fantastic Wednesdays across Dixie. Okay, we know times over the last 12, 14, 16 months, whatever it's been, have been completely insane in so many ways. We told you earlier this week in Charlotte, North Carolina, they're having a real crisis. They're running out of liquor. And now this story coming to us, as it looks like, Taco Bell, at least some locations across the Southeast, a company owned by Yum Brands, who I think have a base in Louisville, Kentucky. Taco Bell posting on its website this week that certain items are hard to come by, and they put a post at the top of their website, sorry if we can't feed your current crave due to national ingredient shortages and delivery delays, we may be out of some items. Fast food taco fans following on social media may have already heard or experienced what's going on firsthand as Taco Bell has a hard time filling up demands for their taco sauces. They're also evidently running low on items for their tortillas and more. And one guy puts out on social media here, Taco Bell employee employee told me there was a quote national shortage of everything right now and i have decided to get my economic news exclusively from drive-through employees from now on <laughs> pretty good deal now let me tell you i'm i'm not going to pick on taco bell because this could truly be out of their control what's going on with a shortage of especially those mild and hot sauces and more but it was just the other day at a place that has a yellow m hanging outside of it I'm not blaming all of them, but this one location I went through and got French fries, so you know it wasn't Taco Bell, 
I have never seen this before. The lady at the drive through window did not give me ketchup. Okay, we've all had that happen to where, hey, could, could you please give me some ketchup? So I had to ask for it, and I did. She gave me Eins Uno, one packet of ketchup. And I just sat there looking at her like, you got, are you, are you kidding me? And she's like, oh, can I help you? I said, I've got French fries. Could I have ketchup? And she, it looked like I was putting her out. She had to reach in and get a second packet. And I had to ask her, what's going on? She said that you have to ask for it at the drive-thru. Like when I'm ordering, I have to say, oh, and I'd like ketchup with my fries. They wouldn't give it to me or didn't, didn't want to give it to me when I'm sitting there paying cold, hard cash for my food and I couldn't even get ketchup. And I don't think we've got a ketchup shortage, but my goodness, we got a shortage evidently not of items for food. It looks like in this particular drive through there was a shortage of brain cells. I can't imagine that ketchup is that, is that big of a problem. And uh, also there at that drive through a shortage of patience. And that's coming from yours truly. When you get a, and I think I splurged that day. I think I got a big, big serving of French fries. Something I probably don't need to have, but boy, aren't they tasty. And they taste a little bit better if you have more than one dang packet of ketchup. Come on, McDonald's. Let's share some Mormon stories. I know y'all been waiting for these. In Washington, D.C., the Mormon temple there is going to open to the public for the very first time in nearly 50 years. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints inviting the public to enter the Washington, D.C. temple that's actually located in Kensington, Maryland. Tours are running right now. The temple is going to be rededicated this year. And they're letting people come in and see this beautiful structure in our nation's capital, technically Kensington, Maryland. Might want to check before you go due to COVID restrictions and more, but the temple there in Maryland has tall spires and mid-century modern design. It was completed back in 1974. The Washington, D.C. Temple is what it's called, and Mormons have flocked there. It looks pretty impressive. It looks almost like a mosque frankly, but I don't want to get into church architecture with you. More Mormon stories, this out of the same area of the country. The University of Virginia is going to give a massive trove, or it's receiving a massive trove of memorabilia and materials from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How about that? As a researcher, businessman, and historian of the faith, Gregory Prince donating more than 10,000 items to UVA in Charlottesville. And that includes books and other materials. As UVA is a leading site east of the Rocky Mountains for studying the Mormon religion. And now if you want to study up on the Mormons, you can go to Charlottesville where they take down statues there every couple of minutes and it looks like they're not tearing down the Mormon church quite yet, but that could be on the list of some of the people in that part of the country. And learn about the Mormon church. And it's right there at the campus of Thomas Jefferson's UVA. We have more 
headlines from across the southeast that we'll be getting to in hour number three, so don't miss out on that. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and tell you a little bit more about the SEC Media Days. We have audio coming up from a Kentucky Wildcat and a Mississippi Landshark. That plus Ashley Stinson dropping by later this hour to tell us all about the Mississippi Delta. All that's coming up right here in hour number two. show and we are continuing our coverage of this week's sec media days taking place at the winfrey hotel at the big galleria there in hoover alabama i'm john rawl and we've got big blue nation standing by as kentucky offensive lineman darian Kennard was at the mic this week talking about his wildcats under the direction of coach mark stoops and again this very very big fella at the microphone this week, let's go in and hear Mr. Kennard and his big blue Kentucky Wildcat football team talk about the start of the 2021 season and what the Cats are going to bring to the opponents, bringing the heat in 2021. I felt with this team that we were going to have a great opportunity this year to do something special. And on top of that, for a personal reason, you know, to show that I'm not just a right tackle, I'm one of the best left tackles. So I came back to prove that. Hey, Darren, how, how has the NIL uh, changed what you've done personally? And have you seen any other changes with guys in the locker room now being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness? Uh, personally, with the NIL, I think it's a great opportunity for, you know, guys who don't continue on football, you know, to get an early start in something else they want to do if it goes down that route. Um, me personally, um, I feel like we should have just added more to uh, stipend money every year just because I feel like it'll take too much away from our personal goals. The whole reason we go to college is to, to get a degree and then go to the NFL. And I feel like with that, it's, it might be a little bit of a distraction for some people. Hey, Darian, it's a long way off, but I just want to get your thoughts on uh, LSU going to Lexington. That hasn't happened in 14 years because of the way the SEC structured and whatnot with the scheduling. How much are you looking forward to a, a home game like that this year? I feel like it's going to be high energy. Um, since we haven't had him in 14 years, you know, I feel like we're just going to plan like we do every other game. Though We plan on going out and winning, and that's what we do every other game. So I feel like it's just going to be high energy. All right, that was Kentucky offensive lineman, and he referenced there in that interview, he's kind of switched one end for another here in the offseason. Darren Kennard of Coach Stoops' Kentucky Wildcats at the mic this week as we are continuing our player interview spotlight on this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show. One of the best offensive playmakers in the Southeastern Conference this year is Mississippi Landshark quarterback Matt Corral. The California kid was at Media Days this week taking questions from the pundits and more. And let's hear him talk about his team in Oxford and what he expects out of the Mississippi football team in 2021. Arkansas was atypical. Looking back... What do you think happened in that game with all the picks? And how did you bounce back from that? Because a lot of guys have a game like that. They might, 
you know, go in a hole and not get out of it? Uh, you know, I'm not one for excuses at all. Um, you know, that game was fully my fault. Uh, I take full responsibility for that. And, um, you know, I'm, it's just that I've never experienced a drop eight before. Prior to that, I've never, I never went through the ins and outs of drop eight. Uh, it's those, those mistakes were fixable. You know, as I watched the film over and over, you can see the open man. You can see I just didn't have the right thought process in that uh, playing against that defense. And I can promise you one thing, that next time I play that defense, it's going to be much different. <laughs> hey, Matt, Chase Goodrell with NFL.com. I, I got an NIL question for you. A lot of the agents feel like they can uh, build a good relationship with a player and then because of that relationship get them to sign the NFL contract later on. Do you see it that way or, or is it a separate decision for you? Um, it's definitely a separate decision for me. But, you know, I, there is a lot of people that are trying to – you know, take it in that direction for sure. And that was Matt Corral, the signal caller for Lane Kiffin's Mississippi Land Sharks. And I got to give the guy props. Cleaned up rather nice this week as he put on a nice coat and tie and uh, didn't look quite like a California surfer type. Matt Corral at Media Days 2021. And you might have heard him reference there that Arkansas game. What happened? If you go back to October of last year, Corral threw six interceptions against the Hogs. Two of those picks went for pick sixes, and Kiffin's Sharks were bit by the Hogs on that day. And just a bizarre, bizarre scene there in the Ozarks. But they will try to get redemption there in Oxford against all the opponents that they went down in flames to in 2020. And Mississippi could be one of the best teams in SEC football this year. And if they are, it's because of the great quarterback play of people like Matt Corral, the Californian. We've got more player interviews coming up in the Y'all Show's third hour. Up next, though, we're going to switch you, speaking of Mississippi, to the Delta portion of the state of Mississippi. Ashley Stinson has just penned a great article on the Mississippi Delta. It's at y'all.com, and she's going to be dropping by in the next segment to tell us all about it. This is y'all. Stay with us. Delta, 
Back in to talk all about the Southeast. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl, and we cover all of the South, the music, the food, the goings-on, the sporting events, the history, and more. And there's one little special portion of the South that is really, really unique. It's the Mississippi Delta, and that northwestern quadrant of the state of Mississippi is where you will find incredible blues music history. You also have great characters that come from there. You also have incredible food. And to help us with what happens in the Mississippi Delta is Ashley Stenson. She has just penned an article at y'all.com where she covers all things Mississippi Delta. And guess what? Miss Ashley is right here on the Y'all Show to tell us all about it. Welcome into the Y'all Show, Ashley. Thank you, John. I'm excited to talk about the Delta with you today. Well, I'm excited to have you talk about the Mississippi Delta. So we'll start off first things first, a little bit about you and your background. You are, I believe, a North Alabamian. Am I right on that? Yes, absolutely. And did you know much? You grew up within a couple of hours, well, a tank of gas. It'd have to be one of these uh, more modern cars. But you grew up about a tank of gas away from the Mississippi Delta. How aware were you growing up of this unique part of the South? Well, I was a big reader growing up, so I mm-hmm. really attribute um, that to finding out more about the Delta. But mm-hmm. I also lucked out because my neighbor um, and a close member of our extended family, Lucy Harper, um, grew up in Memphis. Um, and her dad, Frank Crawford, was a federal judge there. Um, they just are born and bred Memphis. Um, and she's also a huge music person. So she really influenced me. Um, and I've just loved the Delta ever since. Okay. Do you remember your first trip there? Yes. Um, the first time I got to spend a lot of time in the Delta was actually about three years ago when I moved to Oxford. So I had been there, um, Every now and then, maybe a day trip, something like that, going through the Delta, um, just passing through to somewhere else. But the Mm -hmm. first time I really got to spend a lot of time there was my first year at Ole Miss. All right. And again, we're talking about the Mississippi Delta and Ashley's brand new article up, and we encourage everybody to go there. It's called The Mississippi Delta, One-of-A-Kind History and Food. It's right on the homepage right now. We're going to go ahead and do y'all a favor and give Ashley a chance to tell you what's in her article, and it's got all kinds of great places, and I have been to the Delta numerous times, and it is a fun place to go. It's definitely unique, as as your article talks about, and you'll see for yourself. It doesn't take you five seconds of officially being in the Delta for you to look around and say, whoa, where am I? Because... You could take a bowling ball, Ashley. I don't know if you did this in your article or not, but you could take a bowling ball and roll it, and chances are it would probably go about 100 miles because the delta is just that flat. No, absolutely, Um, (laughs) and thank you. But, yeah, the structure of the article basically takes us um, from the north, the very top of 61 in Mississippi, south to Vicksburg, which is the end point. of this floodplain that John just introduced to us. And it, none of the places in the article are um, new or obscure to locals. 
But to people who are maybe going to the Juke Joint Festival in Clarksdale or um, maybe Doe's in Greenville, which is huge. And of course, in the articles we noted, Anthony Bourdain covered it on his CNN show. Um, Hunter S. Thompson interviewed then Democratic nominee Bill Clinton in a Doe's franchise in Arkansas. That mm -hmm. eventually made it on to the very famous um, 1993 documentary the war room so if people are going to doze go into the juke joint festival um morgan freeman's place in clarksdale i wanted them maybe to notice some of these more obscure places so once again locals aren't learning anything new here but people who might be traveling to the delta could easily overlook um some of these stranger places on our way from tunica to vicksburg Yes, and Ashley's article, amazing work there that you've done with this thing. And I do have to point out, your article didn't put it in here. I know you know the phrase, and I'm sure you have a good reason for not including it, but there's a famous phrase about the Mississippi Deltics, at least where you can find it. Do you know that phrase? Um, I'll just let you go ahead and introduce it. Okay, the phrase is, the, where's the Mississippi Delta? Well, it runs from the lobby of the Peabody Hotel in Memphis to the uh, bluffs there in Vicksburg. And it really does. If you look at a map, again, I'm, I'm not trying to belabor the point, but you can literally see from Google Earth where the Mississippi Delta is located. And it, it's about right from Vicksburg to Memphis. And you go through that area right down Highway 61 with your article at y'all.com. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and that phrase definitely has a lot of truth to it. Um, something interesting people might not know is that the Delta was largely forested, like even through Civil War Reconstruction, right? Um, and that's what William Faulkner talks about in the story, The Bear. Um, mm -hmm. So they're basically on a hunting trip um, to these forested areas in North Mississippi that don't exist anymore. And um, the black bear represents like 19th century Mississippi, which is, of course, rapidly being lost. And then we had Parchman, of course, the plantation style prison in the Delta built in 1901. So this farming boom, I mean, of course, it was going on during the 1800s, but it, it was really forested. It wasn't always this flat um, place that we're talking about right now. So it's gone through a lot of change even in the past 150 years. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always this flat kind of, um, it wasn't naturally that way. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Ashley here is not only a great writer, you are a historian working on your PhD, so kudos on that. So here with this article and what you're doing, you're mixing in your love of literature, travel, and history, and more. And you can find this article, but we hope lots more like it coming at y'all.com and i wanted to point out if you go into the delta now as we've talked about ashley said they kind of leveled a lot of this stuff for for at one time a lot of cotton farming in the last 30 years the big boom in the mississippi delta was catfish farming so if you look on a google map these days you might see little ponds all over the place that's because there's a large presence of catfish grown in the mississippi delta speaking of catfish and things that you might be able to eat. Let's start off on the north end of Highway 61, just south of that Mississippi-Tennessee state line. In DeSoto County is technically where the Mississippi Delta begins in Mississippi. 
but only a little small portion there on the west end of DeSoto County. Then you go into Tunica County and you stop by the famous Hollywood there in Tunica County. I've got a photo I'm going to share, but tell me more about this venue. Great. Yes. Locals love the Hollywood. Um, it is one of the most relaxed places you can go. Even in the Delta, it is just the most chill place. It has a little bar. Um, you can get the classic like meat and three vegetables or shrimp, anything. The Hollywood is great. And um, Sun House played at the side. It used to be part of a plantation um, as much of the Delta was at one point. But um, the decor is also really interesting. Like everything in the Hollywood is historic um, and something to do with Delta farming. So it's great. I love the pickled beets and the Ooh. fried okra. I know beets aren't for everybody, but they just really have those classic Southern foods. Um, yeah, for Ashley, you, you can't beat them. Big question. Your article didn't cover it, or maybe it did. Y'all just got to go to y'all.com and read for yourself. Okay, but the controversy about this venue, the Hollywood Cafe, is it really the Hollywood that's sung about in the song Walking in Memphis? I've heard that it is. Okay. Um, I didn't know that it was disputed, um, that it wasn't. I just always assumed that it was, the legend was true. Well, when he goes walking in Memphis, you're not walking in Memphis when you're at the Hollywood Cafe. You're walking in Tunica County. But it's close enough to Memphis. I, it sounds like a better story. So we'll just leave it at that. I guess if we could get up close and read that blue Mississippi Blues Trail marker in front of it, it might just cover it there. So that was one place. Of course, Tunica, Mississippi, also known for its many casinos, or as former Governor Haley Barber would call them, casinos. You have those all over the Tunica area, and they're hanging on. Sports betting really is kind of helping keep some of those up and going. Anything else in Tunica County that we need to know about? Absolutely. Um, the Blue and White Diner is another well-loved local little place. Um, same building since the 1920s. Um, you might have to wait a second for your food, but that's because they make everything. Um, and when I say everything, I mean everything. Also, you can get breakfast all day. Ooh. I'm an early riser, but... How early? Yeah. Um, very. I also have dogs, so that contributes <laughs> to that factor. But if you like breakfast all day, the Hollywood pancakes are the best meal in Tunica. I stand by that. And I have been to, to the Hollywood and to the, the all those places, the blue and white right there on, I guess it's on 61 also. It has a little bit of an Elvis story as Elvis got in a little fight there back in his early days after coming back from a concert. I actually met a guy one time who was part of that fight, and they all fought Elvis because he, he kind of stood out. He was kind of an oddball back in 1950s Tunica County. I don't know if there's a historical marker for a little Elvis kerfuffle back in that time period. We leave Tunica, and then you make your way toward Clarksdale, Mississippi, and there you have the Ground Zero Blues Club that Morgan Freeman started. You also have the Crossroads of the Blues. Ashley Stinson, take it away with what goes on in Capaya County, Mississippi. Yeah. Or Cahoma, sorry. Cahoma. <laughs> Wrong yeah. one. And, um, no, Clarksdale is great, and I know a lot of people make their way to the Juke Joint Festival, to Ground Zero, 
Um, but the New World District right there in downtown Clarksdale is fascinating. Um, and the most fascinating business in the New World District um, today is The Messenger, which is a Black-owned, family-owned bar and restaurant. It's been open since 1910. Um, it used to be a juke joint. It's been through the Prohibition era. It's been through just about everything. Um, and the same family still owns it, the grandson of the original owner. The menu changes every time you go in there. It could be anything from a Polish, um, Polish sausage to an entire buffet. They only sell domestic beer, cash only, um, and everyone you find in there just about is born and raised in Clarksdale. So, of course, make it to Ground Zero. There are plenty of other great bars and restaurants like the more upscale Levon's, um, if you've been there. But the Messenger is one that is often overlooked. It's absolutely great. Now, you mentioned the Juke Joint Festival. Do you know what time of year that's held? I believe it's in the spring. Okay. I went in 2018. And you um, remember it? It rained heavily, so we all were like <laughs> huddled in the businesses. Yeah. Okay. Let's kind of make our way down southward toward Greenville. I do want to know, because I don't know exactly where this photo, by the way, plug to Ashley, not only is she a heck of a writer, she's a pretty good photographer too. So the photos of the Delta that we're viewing here, if you're able to watch this, are courtesy of Ashley Stinson. And there's the photo you have of the, the brick ruins. Is that, where is that from? That is about 30 minutes outside Greenville. It's St. John's Episcopal Church. Okay. Um, I believe it's one of the oldest in Mississippi, destroyed by fire, tornado, um, and the like. And they have it preserved in a tiny cemetery um, right at Lake Washington. All right, Ashley, you hold that Mississippi Delta tamale for just a second, and all y'all listening as well. We're going to continue our conversation about Ashley and her trip to the Delta. We're going to do that after this break. Speaking of tamales, woo, we're going to a place that has made Mississippi tamales famous. It's in Greenville, hint, hint. We're going to talk about it next as the Y'all Show continues. on y'all with a little Mississippi Delta Blues. Highway 51, Highway 61. Highway 51 no they might be riding or going right past your door right now. If they're not, though, thanks to Ashley Stinson, 
We're going to put you right there in the heart of the Mississippi Delta as we're continuing our conversation with this extremely gifted writer as she has traveled, she has traversed northwest Mississippi and gone throughout the Delta. We've worked our way down to the Greenville area with Ashley right now, and we're going to pick up our conversation as she's got an article on the Mississippi Delta pinned right at the homepage of the South, y'all.com. And as I said, she's already in the previous segment gotten us down Highway 61, not 51. Sorry about that blues singer. But yes, in Greenville, Mississippi is where we're going to pick up Ashley's tour. And Ashley, I, I got a little jealousy. I got a little jealousy going on if we're talking about Greenville, Mississippi. Don't tell me you got to go into Doe's Eat Place and we eat one of them big old fancy steaks. No, I actually didn't get the steak. Okay. Um, but you no. went there? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. Controversial. Yeah, that is. What did you have? Because they only have a couple things. I think spaghetti is one of the items. Um, Their broiled shrimp <clears throat> excuse me, is amazing. It is fabulous. It has a kind of secret blend, they say, of herbs and spices. I mean, it's probably got 20 or 30 different spices in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. They've got like two or three sides, salad, bread, or fries. Yeah. All at Doe's Eat Place, which they are franchising, and they have other locations outside of Greenville. But Greenville is the ground zero for Doe's Eat Place. And one thing we still haven't talked about yet that your article didn't get heavy into it, maybe because you're going to write another article specifically on this subject. But, Ashley, one of the great things that Doe's serves up is tamales, Mississippi Delta tamales. Yeah, I would say that's their most famous um item or their best seller probably Mm -hmm. they've been made the same since the early 1940s yeah and i remember when anthony bourdain went in there they talked about the big salad bowl that the mother of the the matriarch of the family would mix all the salads and they still use that same salad bowl at the greenville location it's good is i haven't i've never been to the greenville location every time i've been in greenville it's always been usually around lunchtime, and this place is only open for supper or dinner. Maybe I got that wrong for you, Ashley. Uh, dinner time is when they're open, and they're usually only open maybe Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, or maybe just Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Got a little bit unusual hours, but there's no shortage of people trying to bust into Doe's Eat Place in Greenville, Mississippi. Continuing our conversation with Ashley Stinson, the doctoral candidate, if you will, and her article, The Mississippi Delta, One-of-A-Kind History and Food, is up at y'all.com. So we're on our way southward down U.S. 61 in the Mississippi Delta with your article. And you see all kinds of fun sights and scenes of the Delta. I love this photo here. Where was this taken? Thank you. I also love this picture. So I was thrilled when y'all chose it um, out of the selection that I gave y'all. But this is Nittayuma. It is... Um, some people refer to it as a ghost town because it has a population of about 20. But this is just a progressive era gas station right off 61. Um, they've preserved many buildings, but I was fascinated with this one. Maybe the color. Mm-hmm. I also love the progressive era. So, I What is the progressive era? So that's going to be from the end of the Gilded Age, the 80s, 1880s, 1890s. 
going into the tens, teens, and into the 1920s. Hmm. Um, so this gas station would probably be um, in the teens somewhere. So 100 years old for sure. All right. Well, doctor, even though I know you're not that quite yet, let me ask you, since you're into this history and this specific time period, tell me what was going on that you've been able to find out in the Mississippi Delta during this time period, because there were a lot of immigrants. That's why you have tamales in the Delta that was brought in by Mexican immigrants back in that same time period. There were Chinese immigrants. There's still a collection of Delta residents who have Chinese ancestry, and they still own stores and things like that. What was going on 100-plus years ago? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I'm also writing an article for History Today on Parchman um, and the Delta kind of in the Progressive Era, so I'm really glad you asked. And as we mentioned earlier and as Faulkner has shown us in his fiction um, in The Bear, you find that the Delta was largely undeveloped even during the Civil War and Reconstruction. So the real boom area in the Delta um, is what you just mentioned about 100 years ago from the turn of the century into the 20s and um, 1930s. And of course, that was before mechanization, mm -hmm. right? So we had a lot of sharecroppers, um, a lot of enterprising kind of people, uh, black and white, who were clearing this land, developing the Delta on their own. So the real cotton boom here came about that time. And a lot of so another quick fact that's interesting is that convict leasing ended around this time. So we didn't have parchment um, itself until 1901, the famous prison plantation um, like Angola and Louisiana um, that we've seen, of course, depicted in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Cool Hand Luke. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we didn't even have parchment until... 1901. A lot of people just assume the Delta's always been this flat kind of farming oasis, but I'm glad you asked about the period 100 years ago because that was actually when a lot of this change um, that defines the Delta today, that's when it actually was occurring. So great question. Man, with that kind of setup, I'm afraid to ask you any more questions, Ashley, because why not uh, why just leave it on a high note? But I'm going to ask you more questions, maybe not quite as good as that. By the way, Parchman Prison is still Mississippi's main penitentiary. If you are in that area of Sunflower County when you're driving up the highway for about four or five miles before you get there, they got all the warning signs, do not pull over. If, if you pull over, they didn't say it, but you kind of felt like you might get shot. They don't want to have you helping out prisoners trying to escape Parchman Prison in the Mississippi Delta but so many great figures coming from the Delta of Mississippi. And Ashley, you're not a native Mississippian. I'm not a native Mississippian. I've spent many years living in Mississippi, and you've spent time living in the Magnolia State. As a non-Mississippian, I have to give Mississippi a lot of credit. Not just the Delta, the entire state, but the Delta really maybe shines brighter than the rest of the areas. Mississippi may not have incredible mountain peaks where you can go snow skiing like you can in certain portions of North Carolina, for example. It definitely does not have incredible beaches like Orange Beach or anything on the Gulf Coast of Florida or Myrtle Beach on the Atlantic Coast or all of Florida. But what Mississippi certainly has proven to be is one of the leading stakes in the country for the people, the talent, the incredible dynamic of people of all races and cultures coming together in Mississippi. There, how about that? 
I, I agree completely. Um, Mississippi is a place where you've got a lot of grandeur next to a lot of abject ruin and poverty, but somehow Mississippians still find joy and have a good time and can still produce something beautiful. And that's what Mississippi and the Delta is to me. Mm -hmm. It's in the midst of tragedy, of course, and we know this with Mississippi's long sorted past and civil rights history, but somehow Mississippi also um, created things like America's rock and roll, um, some of the best food in the country. And like you said, some of the best people I've ever met personally. So that's what Mississippi is to me. It's, uh, it's the silver lining, right? Like in yep. the midst of your struggles, you create something um, that no one else could. I feel like you and I are speaking at Mississippi's funeral here today. But <laughs> no, Mississippi, that's just me. That, yeah, <laughs> Mississippi's good. We're yeah, great. but I think Mississippi's still that's got a lot of life to live. Now. Speaking of life to live in Mississippi, you see all kinds of great things as you travel throughout the Mississippi Delta. And one thing as a foreigner, me being from the Carolinas, when I got into Mississippi, I'd never heard of the Bottle Tree. Of course, there's a place in Oxford called Bottle Tree Bakery. But what is the Bottle Tree, and where was this picture that we're looking at taken? Well, the bakery in Oxford is quite good. So if you yes, visit it is. there on Van Buren, please stop by um, there as well. But this is at the Tomato Place on um, 61 South in Vicksburg. Ah. And it's kind of a New Orleans-themed shack full of produce, um, Cajun food, really every tomato thing that you could possibly make. So that's where the bottle tree um, in question is located. And you being the historian, is it there some kind of uh, old tale about bottle trees? I've heard a lot. Um, I don't want to, I don't study like folk culture. Okay. Um, my expertise is politics, but I'm Ooh. with you. I've heard some legends and whatnot, but I'm yeah. not exactly sure what they mean. All right. Well, again, I guess I'm a foreigner. I'd never seen a bottle tree until I checked my passport at the Mississippi border one time and uh, kind of a neat thing but this place you're mentioning here the tomato place in Vicksburg you said has great food yes it's um, it, it's exceptional food uh, you couldn't tell from the outside of the shack what yeah. is inside all right Vicksburg also for people like me that like history you know Ashley you don't have the monopoly on liking history there's a lot of us out there that enjoy a good history read or going to historic sites and Vicksburg is home of the Vicksburg National Military Park, which was the site of the 1863 fight as Union forces under Ulysses S. Grant tried to take over the bluffs of Vicksburg and split the Confederacy in two. He was actually successful in doing that on July 4th, 1863. Those darn Yankees got the win there at Vicksburg and the South was split in two. But tell me a little bit about, I think you stopped by the military park on your journey throughout the Delta, and that, again, Vicksburg is the tail end of the Delta. So tell me more about Warren County, Mississippi. Yeah, the military park is fantastic. Um, you can go there a hundred times and not see everything that they have to offer. Um, the USS Cairo is there, which is a 19th century warship, fascinating. Um, but I really love monuments. Um, I'm a big architecture person just as a hobby. So that's why I included the memorial arch that welcomes you into the military park because a lot of people don't know that 
it in itself is a 1920 um, historic neoclassical monument dedicated to both sides there that fought at Vicksburg. So the monuments are fantastic. Um, I will be going back. Well, I'm scared to go back. You'll like this story. I went to Vicksburg Military Park many, many years ago. And while I was in the Vicksburg area, I decided to purchase some kind of crazy little souvenir trinket, if you will. And it was a little wooden version that you had to build. And I'm not one of those kind of people, maybe you were growing up, that would build like model airplanes and things like that. But I, I saw this thing on sale there in Vicksburg and I bought it. And it was a wooden replica of the CSS Hunley, which, of course, sank in Charleston Harbor. And I bought that thing. Well, guess what? I had flown into Vicksburg. So when I went to the Jackson Airport to go fly back out, I think, to Nashville, they thought I was carrying a bomb. So I've been uh, a little bit scared to go back to the Vicksburg National Military Park because they probably still have me on a list there to be on the lookout for. (laughs) And I still yeah, haven't I, built that thing, by the way. I never will. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. It's it's um, cursed now. Yeah, I would think so. But that's <laughs> my, my one and only story there. Where did you stay during your trip across uh, the Delta? Did you have places you stayed or did you sleep in your car? What happened? Oh, I definitely did not um, sleep in my vehicle, nor do I recommend doing so, especially in the Delta. That, that's a big no. Um but I lived in Oxford, so I went all the time. Oh. Um, I've stayed in Tunica and Memphis as well and kind of gone places that are close So, or known people in Mississippi. So I never, um, and I didn't stay at the Cotton House at, you know, by Delta State because I was only presenting at the conference for one day. So I kind of, I don't have the, um, the best info on the hotels in there. Okay. That's. Well. This, yeah, that's another article. So <laughs> someone would like to assist us with the best places you can stay. Here's your, um, here's your open. Yes, we we especially Ashley. Ashley maybe more than me. I stayed in the Delta a couple months ago. I made my first overnight visit to hmm, Indianola because I went to Itabina too. But I actually ran around throwing the football on the uh, field of uh, Mississippi Valley State just for the heck of it. But I spent the night in Itabina. No, Indianola. See, I'm not the only one. They're, they're almost beside each other. But uh, yeah. that's the home of a, a nice little chain that you're seeing across the southeast now, Lost Pizza Company, which has tamales. It's good. Yeah, it is good. But uh, The one in Oxford, yeah, gets a yeah. lot of business. <laughs> Yeah, it's right down there near the post office. I know right where it is. Ashley, we could talk to you all day, and maybe we should, but we know you got more important things to do. I can't thank you enough for coming on here today on the Y'all Show as we've been talking with Ashley Stenson, who is working on her Ph.D. and has got a lot of uh, great stuff coming. And, again, her article right now at y'all.com, the Mississippi Delta, one-of-a-kind history and food, and I think we've definitely – told everybody listening and watching all about how one-of-a-kind that Mississippi Delta truly is. We thank you, and we look forward to what you might be working on next, which, hey, feel free. What's coming next? Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, 
we uh, I think we've got a few more articles under our belt. So I'm hoping to do one on Highway 90, Ooh. like Gulf Coast of Mississippi and Alabama. So stay tuned. Um, and thank you, John, for having me. Hopefully some of your readers will go visit the Delta now. They should. I highly, highly recommend it. And as I said, you and I both are non-Mississippians. It truly is a one-of-a-kind place with a great story. And what Ashley kind of did, I know you're an academic, but what you did here today was give us the Cliff Notes version. And you probably hate Cliff Notes. I like Cliff Notes, frankly. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. We will have more of the show all about the South right after this. So stay tuned. Final hour of Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent. We accentuate Dixie here. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, as we get you set for another hour, closing up this Wednesday edition. If you would like to join the program, we welcome your text, phone calls to same number, 803-816-1170. As we wrap up this edition of the Y'all Show this hour, we're going to let you know that TCU, that's the program spotlighted today on our 44-city tour of the South and getting you ready for the start of college football in just a few weeks. We'll let you know about the Horn Frog hand sign, some of the other traditions like Super Frog there on the Fort Worth campus, TCU Horn Frog tradition, and famous alumni We're going to tell you all about it here on today's College Football Tour Stop. More headlines from across the South that we're going to be getting to you later. And we're going to tell you all about target balls in our headlines. You don't want to miss that fun discussion coming up later this hour. Reminder, you can also drop us an email at your leisure. Emails welcome to mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. And speaking of y'all.com, once again, if you missed out at the tail end of hour two, we had a great, great interview with Ashley Stinson. And Ashley's article all about the Mississippi Delta is posted right there at y'all.com. Our interview with this great writer is also there for you to watch. So you can read Ashley's work. You can watch her interview that we just focused on and shared in hour two. You can watch our y'all show interview with this very talented, talented Southern lady coming to you courtesy of y'all.com. As we begin this hour of coverage of all things Southern, let's go back to Hoover, more sports talk here. And if you don't like sports, bear with us here because this week is a big, big week in the world of college football with media days. So I realize some of you might be a little bit sports out, especially footballed out, if you're not really into that kind of thing, I promise you the paradigm will shift. In fact, I first learned that expression at an SEC Media Days event about 10 years ago when a guy named Mike Slive sat down for an interview. Mike Slive, the longtime SEC commissioner, we were talking about college football expansion at that time, and Slive, a former civil rights lawyer, who got into college athletics administration, 
told me something along the lines of, unless there's a paradigm shift, we're happy with our 12 member institutions of that time. You lied to me, Commissioner Slive. The late Mike Slive passed away about three years ago. As not long after he told me that, he got on an airplane and welcomed in the Missouri Tigers and the Texas A&M Aggies into the SEC. Mike Slive, don't you lie to me. Yeah, well, he didn't lie. He just told me that unless there was a paradigm shift, they, they wouldn't bring on new members. A lot of things have changed since 10 years ago when he was leading the SEC and, and doing a fantastic job, by the way, during his tenure. In fact, one of his lieutenants is now the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey. And as we talk about this week, one of the things that Mike's Live helped propel and have a paradigm shift in terms of the publicity of SEC football was the emergence of SEC media days. That's going on this week in Hoover, Alabama, right down the road from the SEC's main office in downtown Birmingham. And today on the Y'all Show, we're giving some of the great players of the SEC a little publicity of our own. I think Commissioner Slive would be proud. Today, we're going to continue our, in this hour, our audio of some players speaking before the crowd in Hoover at the Winfrey Hotel. And Velas Jones Jr. is a Tennessee Vol. He's a receiver there for Josh Heupel's Tennessee Vols football program. And Mr. Jones Jr., Tennessee playmaker, is going to be our first of three back-to-back-to-back SEC East playmakers here for this final hour as we give SEC football players a little love. We're going to let the coaches speak on Thursday and Friday back to the coaches, and we'll also mix in a little ACC coverage coming up on Thursday and Friday. But, again, Velas Jones, Jr. of Tennessee at the mic this week in Hoover. Let's hear from the Tennessee Vols, very gifted receiver. Um, I'm looking forward to playing in front of over 100,000 people and, you know, just putting on a show with this new offense, this explosive offense, and, you know, going on the field with my brothers and having fun. You know, it's all about fun. You know, I've been playing this game since I've been four years old. And, you know, like, I'm so excited. You know, words can't even explain how excited I am about it. Ben McKee with VolQuest.com and the Swain event. Velas, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts on uh, Joe Milton since uh, he's entered the program. And then this offseason, what's it been like to to work with kind of the four different quarterbacks, uh, whether it be seven on seven in the indoor and maybe who's been heading that up? Um, Joe is a great guy. You know, as soon as he came in, he – he fit in with the guys well, um, has a great personality, great sense of humor. Um, you know, he's just a hardworking guy, you know, that want to be great. And that's all of us. You know, we come in, we, can, we compete, you know, in the weight room. Everything we do, we compete. And, you know, that's how you bring the best out of people. Um, definitely has a, a strong arm. I feel like that's one of his um, great traits he have about himself. And about the quarterbacks, you know, I have confidence in um, any one of my quarterbacks that they can go out there and win a game and perform the way they need to perform. And so, you know, they all have great things and um, different traits about them. But, yeah, I'm really confident in all my quarterbacks. So we're going to go here in the center section along the left-hand aisle. Hey, Trey Wallace, Rocky Top Insider. Velas, you grew up about three and a half hours away from here. Did you ever see yourself being on a stage like this at SEC Media Days? I I couldn't even imagine. Um, I remember, you know, um, growing up in Saraland, Alabama, you know, just wanting to play SEC football. And, like, that's how I know God is good all the time. Um, 
So blessed to be here. I wouldn't have never imagined this, you know. Um, I'm a transfer from the University of Southern California. And um, being in the conference, I watched up growing, like, um, I watched growing up. Like, it's a, it's a blessing and a dream come true. And I'm just blessed to be here, you know, to represent for my university in this football program. All right. Phelous Jones, Jr., Sarahland, Alabama native, and a Rocky Top football player transferring in, as he said, to this program that Josh Heupel is now leading, and we wish him well as a receiver for the Big Orange in 2021. Another guy on the offensive side of the ball was at the mic this week as Nick Muse is a South Carolina Gamecock transfer. He actually started his collegiate career as a tribe as he was at William & Mary. I'm not sure if he doesn't have a degree from that prestigious first University in the South, second university overall in American history, only trailing Harvard. But Nick Muse, who grew up in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, transferred to South Carolina, played last year, really didn't have to come back. He could try to go on to the next level, but he has decided to take advantage of all of the stuff going on with the NCAA. And he joined his new coach, Shane Beamer, in Birmingham this week as the South Carolina Gamecock tied in was part of Media Day's 2021, and here is the Fighting Gamecocks tied in right now on the Y'all Show. All right, when you announced you were coming back, you said, I believe in what Coach Beamer is bringing to the program, and I want to be a part of it. What exactly is he bringing? Uh, you know, before I made my decision, I talked to him. I talked to Coach Kimmery on the phone a couple times. It's just, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. Just, you know, he wants to be here. It's it's something he's desired to do ever since he was a coach back in, I believe, 2010. But, uh, you know, it's just the competitive mindset he has of, you know, we're not rebuilding, we're trying to win. So, you know, he, he sold me on it, and uh, it would help me also. So that's why I decided to come back and return. Nick, to your right, Bert Rowe. How's it going, Nick? Dave with the Posted Courier. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you posted a pretty interesting photo in your Instagram account of you in your uniform. Got some interesting replies on it. I was wondering what the thinking was behind posting that photo and how you've dealt with the replies. Oh, Lordy. Um, you know, I look at the replies, but I don't let them get to me. Um, I care about four opinions in the world. My brother, my father, my mother, and the Lord. So if you're not one of those, it is what it is. You can say what you say. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a funny joke. Some people took it the wrong way. Some people didn't. Um, I'm very confident in my sexuality, so all the jokes, they can say what they want, but I know where I stand. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm just trying to have a good laugh. Uh, whether you took it the wrong way or not, that's on you. It ain't on me, but it is what it is. To your left, Nick, third row. Todd Summers, WSPA TV out of Spartanburg. What do you see in this receiving group? Shy Smith leaves. The guys that have come back, there's not a lot of guys that have caught a lot of passes. I think you're the leading receiver, and the leading wide receiver had 11 catches a season ago. Do you feel like there's something to prove for this whole group of pass catchers? Um, yes, sir. We have a lot to prove. Um, I don't even think I had half the year I think I can have. So, you know, um, I feel like I can improve as well as, you know, the wide receivers. We have a lot of good tight ends. Uh, we just got E.J. Jenkins, who you line him up anywhere, and he's going to make a play. Uh, same with Jaheim Bell. You can put him at running back. Heck, you can put him at safety. You can put him at punt returner. It doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to get more opportunities. Of course, we had Shy Smith, who did a phenomenal job last year. And, you know, he's in a league where he needs to be. But, uh, you know, we, we, everybody's got something to prove. And everybody's got something to improve on. So, you know, whenever they call my name during the game, I'm trying to make a play. And 
We'll go from there. It is what it is. Prophetic words coming from Gamecock tight end Nick Muse. And South Carolina is a program that if you're a receiver, like he just mentioned, Shia Smith, now a Carolina Panther, or you're a tight end, they recently have had a player go to the Baltimore Ravens and to the Atlanta Falcons as a tight end and played a number of years, you can be successful at a program now led by Shane Beamer, Nick Muse, the William & Mary transfer and Charlotte native, part of the South Carolina Gamecock football team of 2021. Lastly, on our triumvirate of SEC East players here on this Y'all Show final hour, Ventrell Miller is a Florida Gator linebacker. I was mistaken. He is a defensive player, not an offensive player. My apologies, Gator Nation. Ventrell Miller, he's big enough to be whatever position on the gridiron he wants to be. He'll be suiting up for Dan Mullen's pack of water lizards in the fall of 2021. He was at the microphone this week at SEC Media Days. And let's go hear from this Gator linebacker in Hoover, Alabama this week. Yeah, we got different things in, uh, different things going in uh, this spring and, and this summer. Uh, but, like, as a unit, we just uh, coming in together, uh, trying to – everybody executing, I'd say. Everybody executing, everybody being on one page and coming, coming together and trying to come out and win games. Hey, Ventrell, Trillian with BamaInsider.com. Talk about that SEC title game last year, the emotions around that, the post game, everything else, and what you're excited about for this year's matchup in Gainesville. Oh, man, they got to come to the swamp this year. Uh, like I said, it was a hard-fought game uh, uh, last year, and I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same this year. And we're trying to come out on top of this year. Hey, Ventrell, to kind of piggyback off his question, you know, last year was such a high-scoring game, right? Neither team could really stop the other. And yet this year both teams are going to look dramatically different on offense for both teams. So mm-hmm. what is the offense that you've played against in spring gives you confidence this year might be a little bit different in the scoreboard? Definitely. The, the defense is just coming along, I'd say. Uh, we we looking forward to having a great year this year. Um, and yeah, it, it, the point, definitely the points are, are not going to be that high this year. So we, we plan on shutting people out. That's, that's the expectation of my defense. All right, that was Florida Gator linebacker Ventrell Miller at SEC Media Days this week. Having a good time talking about the orange and blue. And that will wrap up our spotlight of various players from the Southeastern Conference at the microphone. More coming. More today, more tomorrow. The Y'all Show will break away from SEC Talk. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Big 12's TCU Horn Frogs, specifically the traditions and more. That's ahead as the Y'all Show continues. planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive, bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? 
No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now he speaks Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And we're continuing the fun of giving you all of these programs across the southeast a little love as the start of the 2021 season is not all that far away. And for the TCU Horn Frogs, they are today's featured school. Their season begins with Duquesne coming into Amon Carter Stadium on September 4th. The Horn Frogs led by the little visored one Gary Patterson, who enters this year in his 20th season of coaching this Big 12 program. The Kansas native, former K-State football player himself, he's got purple on, not for K-State, but he's doing a heck of a job over the last 20 years coaching the TCU Horn Frogs. And TCU with a more than century-old cheer for Horn Frog fans. Riff Ram is rumored to be the oldest champ in the Southwest Conference that the former conference this team was a part of, where TCU rose to popularity with great teams back in the early 1930s. Riff Ram Bazoo, TCU. More on the traditions in a second. Let me first tell you about Texas Christian University. It is a private Christian university located in Fort Worth, Texas. Started back in 1873 as Ad-Ran Male and Female College. Ad-Ran, which is a nickname given to TCU. And the reason it was called Ad-Ran Male and Female College is because brothers Addison, Ad, and Randolph, Ran, established this college in 1873. The campus right there in Fort Worth, 272 acres of pristine beauty. Now, TCU is affiliated with, but not exactly governed by, the Disciples of Christ. The university consists of eight constituent colleges and schools that have a classical liberal arts curriculum. The Mascot of TCU is Super Frog, based on, did you realize Texas has a state rape reptile? It's the Horned Frog. The Horned Frog is a horned lizard 
and you can find this in Texas, of course, but it ranges this horned lizard, a.k.a. horned frog. You can find it from Colorado and Kansas to the north end of Mexico and definitely found in Texas. So that's a good reason they're called the horned frogs. It's the Texas state reptile. I love to tell you all things you might not know. Of course, if you're a Texan, you should have known that, and you probably do know that. Victor Boscany is the chancellor of TCU. Currently, the university has just shy of 10,000 undergraduates and about 1,500 postgraduates, giving it a total student population of 11,379. Not the biggest school, and that's what makes TCU to its students and its fans and alumni the honor of being a cool school because they give you the Power 5 football experience being in the Big 12 Conference and playing gigantic schools like Texas in Oklahoma. But they're overall rather small compared to those big schools. TCU, Ad Ran, how about that? Let's talk a little bit about famous alumni of TCU. How about Bob Schieffer, CBS News? He's a TCU alumnus. Other famous alumni from this prestigious school include American Idol Kristen Adams. Remember her? You also have had a bunch of athletes, and I'm going to tell you about them in a second. Remember in the world of politics a couple of years ago, this lady was the darling of the media because she was going to run, I think, for Senate. No, she ran for governor in Texas and got beat. I think that's what she ran for. Wendy Davis is a TCU alumni or alumnae in recent years. Another famous name, Betty Buckley. How about Rod Roddy? Remember Rod Roddy from The Price is Right? He's a TCU alumnus. That's kind of neat to know. Also, they have a race car driver. It's a TCU alumnus, Larry Foyt, TCU alumnus, and a whole bunch of other people like Jamie Dixon. Y'all remember Jamie Dixon? Well, he's actually a guy known for basketball. He's currently the head coach at TCU, but he did a good job coaching Pitt at one time. And a lot of great sports figures have come out of Texas Christian University. Some names you might be familiar with. Slingin' Sammy Ball. Bob Lilly. A TCU alumnus. Johnny Vault. We talked about him in hour one. The longtime head coach and athletic director at the University of Mississippi. A TCU man. You also have Andy Dalton, the redheaded quarterback that helped lead TCU to a Rose Bowl win over Wisconsin. Longtime NFL quarterback. I think he was most recently right around the corner from TCU as a quarterback on the Dallas Cowboys roster. He's a TCU football alum and arguably the most famous TCU football alum, at least in modern times, LaDainian Tomlinson. Man, boy, was he a great running back for the San Diego Chargers. Those are just some of the many, many great alums of Texas Christian University. And I don't want to leave out Chris Klein. He also is a TCU alum. This is the 
actor best known for playing Paul Metzler in Election, and he was in American Pie playing the role of Oz. Don't want to leave them out. As a TCU alumnus, and just very, very proud here to discuss this school that has produced so many great, great athletes, leaders of Texas and beyond, even best-selling authors, Sue Monk Kidd, a TCU alumnae. Best known for her novels, The Secret Life of Bees and The Invention of Wings, is Sue Monk Kidd. Now, all these alums love to know, they love their horned frogs. One of the neat traditions of TCU and, frankly, most of the Texas schools are the hand signs. And at TCU, they have a gesture that showcases that you're a TCU horned frog. To do it correctly, you got to kind of hold your hand up like a peace sign with slightly curled fingers symbolizing the horns of our tiny, mighty mascot, the horn frog. So imagine putting up a peace sign or the number two and then bending those fingers away from you. Horn frog. That's the go frog's hand sign. Also at TCU, you have what's called the common table. As hundreds of students gather each spring and they have a family dine together at a table running the entire length of the Campus Commons. That's a tradition. We already talked about the century-old cheer, Riff Ram Bazoo at TCU. How about Super Frog? What a cool mascot. As TCU has featured costume mascots on the sidelines in Fort Worth since way back when they were national champions of the 1930s, Super Frog was created in 79. And at one time, Super Frog was named a top 25 college mascot by Sports Illustrated. They also have on the Fort Worth campus this don't just pass this lucky frog. You get to rub the nose of a pointy, horny, horn frog statue that's between Sadler and Reed Halls, and you rub the pointy horn frog statue for extra luck. And it's a tradition for TCU. Fans, students, alumni. I'm a little scared looking at the picture of this lucky frog (laughs) that you might go rub it the wrong way and you get stabbed by one of the pricks there on this thing that is on the Fort Worth campus. Texas Christian University. Today's stop on our tour across the southeast and we wish the horned frogs all the best. They start their Big 12 play at home at Amon Carter Stadium October 2nd when Gary Patterson and his ball club take on the Texas Longhorns on October 2nd. So, yeah, get ready for excitement when TCU football, once again, one of the better teams out of the Big 12, but a little bit down the last couple of years, although last year they could have gone to a bowl game and ended up being canceled because of coronavirus. But look out for what TCU is going to bring to the table with an experienced quarterback and more leading the program in 2021. TCU, today's spotlight of college football. Coming up on Thursday, we'll have the Louisville Cardinals as our featured stop on our 44-town tour of college football. Great traditions and players and coaches and more. When the Y'all Show returns, we have a quick look at some of the news making the headlines across the Southeast today. That's up next.
If you're worried about your borderline blood pressure, hear how others are taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. Garlic works safely and naturally to support my blood pressure. Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula has a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals, so you know it works. No garlic taste, no garlic breath. Take charge of your blood pressure with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Let's continue on the Southern fun, if you don't mind. I'm John Rawl, thanking you for being a part of the show that's all about the Southeast Herd on great stations across Dixie. And, of course, you can go at your leisure and listen to y'all, courtesy of the various podcast options, Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Stitcher app, and you can find us with the big old right red and white box at the top of y'all.com we're southern and we ain't backing down (laughs) we're y'all thank you very much let's look at some of the headlines across the southeast here on this wednesday edition so across the south we've kind of been telling you here lately about some states i think it started with the mountain state of west virginia states offering incentives for people to go get vaccinated west virginia has a weekly drawing of people to get vaccinated that has cash and prizes offered by governor justice. And usually it's about a million dollars for the taking. Well, the natural state governor Hutchinson, the natural state has been having a little bit of an incentive to get people vaccinated. So they have announced the Arkansas scholarship lottery And Gary Smith is this week's winner. Given the choice of a $20 scratch-off ticket or a $20 Arkansas game and Fish Commission gift certificate. And he got that after he got his vaccination. Here's the little problem in Arkansas for Gary Smith getting his reward for getting a vaccination. With his choice of that scratch-off ticket or the Arkansas game and fishing commission gift certificate that was given to him. Which one do you think he chose? You think he wanted to go hunting in Arkansas? Great place called the natural state. 
No, he went with what probably most of us would go for, the $20 scratch-off ticket, and guess what? He scratched that thing off with his quarter or penny or nickel, and he won a million dollars. The native Arkansas, Arkansan, if you will, won a million dollars just for getting his vaccination in the natural state. But Arkansas, eh, Arkansans, you better be upset because Mr. Smith went to Washington. No, Mr. Smith went to, I think this happened in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Could have happened in Texarkana, which would make a little bit more sense. Gary Smith was able to scratch off his $20 scratch-off and get a million dollars, all for getting vaccinated in Arkansas. They're fighting hard to get people vaccinated. The problem is, even though he's a native Arkansan, Gary Smith is a registered Texan. He's from Texas, and he just walked into the natural state and done stole a million dollars from him that could have gone to a Arkansan trying to get vaccinated. <laughs> Probably doesn't make you feel very good. Probably a lot of calls going into Asia Hutchinson, the governor. How could this be, governor? Governor! In Florida, beaches are seeing nearly 800 tons of dead fish as sea life is washing ashore, as local officials are calling for a statewide emergency declaration. This is most present in the Tampa Bay area, St. Pete, all of this stuff washing ashore, and it's smelling. Thousands of dead fish and marine life washing up, largely due to red tide caused by toxic algal blooms. They're trying currently to mitigate the issue. I've heard about this, this red red tide. In fact, Nikki Freed, the Democratic candidate, one of the Democratic candidates for governor, recently came out and said, Ron DeSantis, what are you doing about red tide? Now, according to critics, Governor DeSantis has downplayed the severity of red tide where all this stuff washes ashore. But he has put out a statement saying that his administration has committed more than $2 million to respond to red tide in Tampa Bay. Cleanup efforts underway. But it looks like if you want to go hang out on the beaches around St. Petersburg, you're going to be fighting off a bunch of ugly, nasty, smelly, dead things. And it can't be good. Red tide. I, I've seen this happen in years past, but stinky fish lining up the shores around St. Petersburg. And all gives, this is all traced to rapidly spreading red tide blooms that, according to some scientists, linked to Florida's decision to pump 215 million gallons of polluted wastewater into Tampa Bay last spring. Therefore, they claim that is what's caused red tide in Tampa Bay. More articles coming from Florida. Alligator attacks and severely injures a man who fell off a bike at a Florida park. Have you seen or heard about this one this week? This was a 
story that made some headlines in Stewart on the Atlantic coast north of Palm Beach. Bicyclist accidentally went into the water while riding his bike on a trail at a regional park in Stewart. He lost control and fell about six feet down an embankment into a body of water and he landed close to a female alligator who was near her nest and after he fell, the gator bit him, severely injuring him. But luckily, this cyclist was able to break free and crawl to an area where he was assisted by a bystander. That, according to the Martin County, Florida Sheriff's Office. Scary, scary scene. Woo! I'm not so sure riding a bike anywhere is all that safe. And here this guy was in a very well-known park away from traffic, it looks like. And he still lost control and went right near an alligator and scared the you-know-what out of him. He should have been racing in the Tour de France over the last few days, and he wouldn't have to worry about crashing into an alligator nest. More stories out of the Sunshine State. Thieves posing as utility workers have stolen $25,000 in jewelry from a widow. That, according to a Florida law enforcement agency. This is in Miramar, where these idiots, 49-year-old Rachel Dimitro, is among those caught and accused this week, busted on charges including burglary, grand theft, and violating her probation in this scam that was partially caught on the victim's doorbell camera as Dimitro ran in an alleged accomplice They pretended to be a Florida Power and Light employee. And so they go in and they steal, while posing as utility workers, $25,000 in jewelry from a widow in the state of Florida. And now, Demetro and her 58-year-old accomplice, Bob Eli, they're from Oakland Park, busted. And if true, are going to have plenty of time to think about their actions they are being held on a $22,000 and $35,000 bond, respectively, at the Broward County Jail. Don't ask them to come over and check your meter anytime soon <laughs> in the state of Florida. All right, one more Florida story. A Florida man gets home from the doctor and finds a surprise guest in his pool after he got back from the doctor's office in Charlotte County, Florida. The man noticed clothing scattered across his lanai when he found a naked person in his pool and he called law enforcement. And who did he find in his pool? A trespasser by the name of Heather A. Kennedy. When deputies arrived, Miss Kennedy told them to leave her alone, refusing to put clothes on and get out of the pool. The deputies eventually convinced her to leave the pool and put them dang clothes back on. She resisted arrest, pulling away from deputies in her little naked self there while in the Charlotte County, Florida area. Ultimately, they were able to identify her from previous booking photos. She faces charges for trespass and structure or conveyance and resisting officer without violence. How would you like to resist arrest while naked, maybe even lathered up with sunscreen? (laughs) And that's what happened in Florida here this week. 
Here's a Florida man story, but it actually comes to us courtesy of North Carolina. Yeah, they got some goofballs even outside of Florida. And actually, this is another goofball female making headlines. 49-year-old Michelle Wright from Holly Springs, North Carolina, drove her car over a Target parking lot ball. Those gigantic red meatballs that are outside of most every Target store. Somehow, this woman earlier this week crashed while driving impaired and careless and wrecking, and she wrecked her car onto a Target ball in front of a Target store in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Emergency crews rushing to the scene, stabilized the vehicle, got her out safely. Nobody was injured, thankfully, but yeah, don't mess with them Target red balls outside their stores or you're going to end up on the wrong end of things. And she is locked up, at least temporarily. In Kentucky, Santa Claus is coming your way to some people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky right now. As Santa Claus coming to the Lexington area, now that he's vaccinated. That's right. It, Christmas in July. And Santa Claus, who we will refer to as Santa, got to visit children at Waveland in the Lexington area. And ultimately, they were a little bit, some of the kids, scared why they couldn't get all that close to Santa Claus. But ultimately, Santa's southern home at Waveland State Historic Site, he's been vaccinated and now getting a little bit closer to reality as Santa Claus in Kentucky in July. How about that? And lastly, on our look at stories and more coming from across the southeast, so we have all these places, Airbnb and Verbo, that you can rent a place, a house usually of someone's and stay overnight. But have you ever heard of staying in an old-fashioned general store? Well, you can do just that, courtesy of Airbnb, and you can do it in a town known as Veto, Alabama, V-E-T-O. And don't veto this notion. This general store near, near Elkmont, allows you to go into this old-fashioned general store built in 1950 after the original store on the same property burnt. And you can stay overnight at the Vito Lodge for $105 a night. And this is on Vito Road right at the Tennessee-Alabama line. It's basically right at I-65 between Huntsville and Franklin, Tennessee, roughly. is about halfway for both of the places where Elkmont, it's north of Athens, Alabama. And there, if you pay the $105 a night, which is probably cheaper than most hotels in Elkmont and Vito, Alabama, you'll have three sleeping areas, a kitchen, eating, and living areas, and a wood stove right there at Vito. It is on the state line of Tennessee and Alabama, not all that far from that big giant rocket. If you come down I-65, you know what I'm talking about. The rest area at the Alabama Welcome Center. And you can see the rocket, and then you can just blast right over to Vito and have a good stay at the old country store. How about that? Turned into an Airbnb. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. we got one little tiny segment left, and we'll tell you all about what's going on on the Thursday Y'all Show. We're going to do that when we come back right after this time.
We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Just about ready to head on to the house here as we close out this Wednesday edition of Talk with a Southern Accent. Again, you can text us anytime and any day you feel like it. 803-816-1170. A way to do just that. And we're going to be letting you, alerting you right now about what's coming up on the Thursday Y'all Show. We'll be continuing our coverage of Media Days. We'll mix in a little SEC and ACC Media Days talk on Thursday. We actually will be hearing from Nick Saban, the defending national champion coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, as he was at the mic this week. That coming up, plus all about the Louisville Cardinals of the ACC as we drop by Louisville and learn about the University of Louisville. It's 2021 season. What's going on there with this up-and-coming program? And we'll learn about the history, the traditions, the famous alumni like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Come on, Louisville. I know you can probably do a little bit better than Mitch. But, yeah, he's one of the more famous alumni of the U of L. All that on our spotlight of Louisville Cardinal football and more coming up on the Thursday Y'all Show. We also have more information from the entertainment world that we'll be passing along Melissa's dropping by. Miss Melissa's going to have a Southern accent on Southern business coming up on Thursday's Y'all Show. And we'll also let you know about more of the sports world, what's going on, plus a look at some of the festivals going on across the Southeast this weekend as we are getting oh so close to the conclusion of the summertime. And most of the communities of the South likely have already had a festival or an event going on. But just before the kiddies go back to school, there's still some good ones taking place. And if you tune in to our show on Thursday, we're going to let you know exactly where those festivals across the 16 southern states, where you need to be getting in the car or truck or Greyhound and going to. Thank you for being a part of our really fun Wednesday show. We'll just do it again. How about that? Let's make a motion. I'm John Rawl. Thank you for listening to Talk with a Southern Accent. Don't forget our website is y'all.com. We'll see you back here Thursday.
We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. 